0: Welcome to Theory for Turntables, the TFT podcast. I'm Matt, and that's Ryan. Ryan, I don't like you. I just hate you. I'm going to kick your
1: ass. Matt, don't damn me when I speak a piece of my mind because silence isn't golden when I'm holding it inside. <laughs> and uh, that is Mark.
0: Mark, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. Matt,
2: Ryan, what's so civil about war anyway? <laughs> you ever thought about that? Uh, if you have not hey, gotten— Mark, it, do you want to antagonize me? <laughs> antagonize me, motherfucker? Get in the ring, motherfucker. Get in the ring. Get in the ring. Get in the ring. Get in the ring. We are getting in the, ring, in the ring. We with, are in the ring. With Guns and Roses,
0: Use Your Illusion 1, and Use Your Illusion Two, uh the
1: the double album or two separate albums i mean it's it you know might be two separate it's two separate albums right it's it's in the same vein as nelly's sweat and suit uh and uh and uh bright eyes is uh i'm wide awake it's morning and digital ash in a digital urn so two separate albums released on the same day
0: and like i'm wide awake it's morning and digital ash in a digital urn one is good and one is not good so there you go, um, and the uh, and the folkier one is definitely the be- the stronger album. Uh, you know, I think we disagree on both of those. <laughs> <laughs> I know you like digital. You like digital ash better than wide awake. It's morning. I don't know. And I
1: and I and I like use your illusion too. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, I would have called that the folkier okay. one. Oh, that's okay. Well, well, then we'll have to. That's interesting. Yeah. So that, we'll
0: have, that's oh kind of well. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I that was going to be a question that I had related to that. But uh, so here's, here's what you have to do: set aside <laughs> like most of a weekend. <laughs> You know, uh, in order to do the assigned listening for this. And like uh, I did all kinds of different activities. Like, really at, at a certain point I realized I was putting off preparing, listening to uh Use Your Illusion one and Use Your Illusion Two. The um the just sheer magnitude uh, of these two records, seventy five minutes fifty six seconds for number one and seventy five minutes fifty two seconds for number two, like at the very limit of what the CD format could could withstand um so uh funny quick, funny personal anecdote um, i We had these albums in middle middle school, and uh, I had a friend named Danny, and he had a disc man and the uh, and his music uh, in like some kind of like case logic sleeve. you remember how you could it had the the uh, uh, the plastic the plastic pages where you could put in the the compact discs and then had a little place to hold the disc man and, and headphones as well now this got. Stolen on the bus uh, one day, um, going to uh, some field trip or something like that. It got stolen on the bus. And uh, they returned. Um, the Case Logic case, the disc man was gone, and uh, all the CDs had been taken except for Use Your Illusion 1 and Use Your Illusion 2. So the
2: thieves <laughs> didn't I even... thought that was going to be the opposite, that they nope. stole only those two CDs. Nope. <laughs> they, they did not want these two Guns in Roses Maybe they already
1: albums. had them. <laughs> <laughs> those, those were the only two CDs that those people had, and they got all of the other ones, inspired in part by the rebelliousness of the of the user your illusions. So, uh, use your illusion two. Slightly more popular, according to Wikipedia,
0: sold about three quarter million. Uh, slightly fewer uh, unit sales in the first week for use your illusion one. But they were the number one and number two spots on the U.S. charts in uh, in uh, the the frame that they were released, September seventeenth. Nineteen ninety one, and you're going to have to set aside most of a weekend in order to listen through to these uh, to these uh, to these two things. Two and a half hours,
1: well, perhaps. You know, because we talk about use cases, and you know, it's like I tried to listen to this while commuting, but I do not commute from Boston to approximately New Haven, Connecticut. <laughs> right. Uh, and you know, I tried to listen to it while running, but I'm not in one sitting. Uh, you know, running um, the better part of a of, of a marathon right. uh, or a kind of, some between a half and half marathon and marathon at the pace at which I run right so like you really have to find something that takes two and a half hours <laughs> um, yeah you know like it's so like you could like watch like apocalypse now on mute <laughs> while <Well, so, so, laughs>
2: you could if drive could Following the Marie Kondo method of uh, tidying up your apartment, maybe you can like do the entire closed exercise in two and a half hours. You know? yeah. <laughs> like Hold every item of clothing you have, and ask if it uh, inspires joy. In and your then heart.
0: burn them in a pit and throw them in a coffin. All right, we're going to let you go and listen to this, uh, uh, listen to this uh, epic album. And don't don't stint. We considered crapping out and only focusing on the compilation album that was released uh, that had radio edits of a lot of the songs, so that the the big box retailers, uh, the big chain stores, um, who were still kind of in the pocket of uh, big tipper, big tipper gore and the uh parents um oh i forget i forget what it was called the parental advisory explicit
1: Ly- lyrics stickers the parents music advisory committee or something Council,
0: like that Council, yeah something like that uh pmac um so
1: uh hot and bothered by prince yeah. co- uh committee i believe <laughs>
0: <laughs> the uh uh yeah so that we but we did not do that we did not take the easy way out and neither should Neither should you. You can get User Illusion 1 and 2 on the streaming services. So go and do that and meet us back here once you've, you know, spent a week listening to them after this word from our commercial sponsor.
1: Is your body odor alienating those around you?
0: I mean, it's it's you can practically see the cartoon stink lines wafting off of me.
1: Are you having tired of having some time on your own?
0: Uh, my solitude is becoming, is becoming increasingly, increasingly uh, problematic to my mental health.
1: Well, then try November rain, antiperspirant <laughs> <and> deodorant. <laughs> wow. What, what's that smell? I can't quite place it. Well, it is the, the smell of a cold November rain. Mm, how long does it last? Well, I mean, let's just say if you think that you need somebody, everybody needs somebody, and you're not the only one. Oh, well, that's good. Uh, nothing lasts forever,
0: but I'll put November rain on every morning.
1: November rain. It lasts until you die. And we're back. Um, so, hey, uh, hey, hey, guys, I have a question. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> you want to antagonize me?
0: Antagonize me, motherfucker.
1: We're in the ring. We've always already been in the <laughs> ring. Uh, that is, I mean, as a side note, that maybe is my favorite song on this set of two albums and we, we can get to it. Um, but, I, you know, we've, we've been, I'm going to, um, you know, address the, oh, I don't know, 850, uh, as they put it, 850 pound gorilla in the ro- uh-huh. uh, room. And this question is to both of you, um, either of you, whoever wants to take this on. Um, but this this 1991 Guns N' Roses, mm. um, who produced these these two albums, with their with their uh, two and a half hours of music, and their ten plus minute long songs, and their sound collages, and their piano suites, and their cover art that references a Raphael painting, are they pretentious? Hmm. hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, interesting. What do you think, Mark?
2: Okay, if you're defining pretentious as pretending to sort of like a higher level of sophistication than they actually have, I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> uh, this, not is e- our, this is our first ever unqualified. Right. Name. Oh, yeah. I was going to say it's an unqualified yes, because here's why. Right. Like this album strives for such grandiose levels of meaning and important artistic significance and in reality what it is is a handful of good songs and more than a handful of good songs a decent collection of good songs surrounded by tons and tons of filler okay (laughs) Uh, you heard it i'm in the ring all right i just called like half the tracks on user illusions one and two filler all right so that's where that's where i'm coming in this is pretentious and it's mostly filler
1: that was um, one of my other questions: Was do we need two of uh, two users? No, Euro? no, oh, we, I absolutely, think, no. I think, we
2: absolutely know. absolutely don't. And Walmart and um, and Kmart, and Kmart were were really satisfying their their customers, right? Filling a market need, market gap by selling a product which people actually wanted, rather See, than buying.
1: One of the best parts on all two albums is every time Axl Rose says "motherfucker," <laughs> uh, and so so all That's of the kids sure. whose parents got them that version were deprived of a i think a, what was an important uh developmental milestone for me which was hearing how to properly use motherfucker in many different contexts as a noun verb
0: adjective adverb interjection uh and so forth right
1: yeah exactly middle exactly. school
2: grammar and elocution
1: there's also um, i mean like it's important to I imagine that the guy on the album cover is just writing the word motherfucker <laughs> no
2: he's word. Conj- <laughs> he's conjugating the word the verb motherfuck <laughs> Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, in in Greek, but but well, in Greek they would be fatherfuckers. But never mind. The um, yeah, and and he says it with with the appropriate uh, with the appropriate sneer. I feel like uh, with the appropriate sneer and the appropriate amount of kind of blasé. Uh, quality, a mixture of, of aggression and, and a blase quality, right? Because, like, as a child learning to swear, you either relish it too much or you're too timid about it. And you, you haven't quite learned to, to thread that needle, uh, between sort of wanting it too much that you're not cool or not wanting it enough that you have no, you know, that you have no energy. So, like, uh, Axel Rose is really performing, is really educating, um, is really educating uh, teenagers.
1: Um so No no motherfucker left behind.
0: Right? <laughs> <laughs> is our mother's fucking. Um, the uh yeah, I mean I don't know, for a contrarian take I I was almost going to go with no. Uh they're not pretentious. They actually are this uh this uh, this Level of insufferable douchebags. But no, they're, I mean, they're, it's sort of, it's absolutely pretentious, right? And it's the, what are, what are the more pretentious parts? Well, it's the, um, Uh, it's the, the, uh, the orchestral parts, right? It's the, the sort of the slow dirges and it's the, the kind of down tempo stuff, right? Because like on Appetite, which is just like on Appetite, the hits just keep on coming and Appetite for Destruction, I mean, and, um, and that is, when I went back to that, that was bluesier than I had, um, than I had remembered when we covered that uh when we covered that a minute ago uh but but this was like a lot of the i i almost wanted to ask this this guns and roses with their like uh you know long acoustic intros and their like country influence and their you know um are they uh are they a folk rock band you know the the It just because those are the parts that I didn't like. I suppose on this album, kind
1: of all of the bands. I mean, I want to kind of separate though because you mentioned in kind of introducing the kind of pretentiousness, the orchestral pieces. But I feel like that would lump in kind of the the trilogy of songs um, of the kind of big ballads that were the um, three music videos that Mark wrote about recently on Overthinking It of um, Don't Cry, November Rain uh, and Estranged um, with kind of November Rain rightfully being the centerpiece. And I mean, I'll go out there and say November Rain is is uh, is a a a a masterpiece of a song and it is and it, it kind of transcends the the pretension right um and 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 i say this having, you know, in more than one ensemble, uh, with both of you, played this song. Um, and there is something transformative about playing November Rain, um, first in in, in the context of a marching band, and second in the context of a, of, of the uh, kind of overthinking it live band ensemble uh, parody version, uh, uh, before, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the last Christopher Nolan Batman movie came out, uh, and the I Don't Remember Bane, uh, that, That that Mark wrote and both of those times playing the song, um, like like at at the very least in the performing of it, um, something very real happens (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and and that there is so and and so there's something amidst there's. There, there's, there's gold in them, their bloats, right? (laughs) That, 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 uh, and, and, and there's that. That's what's really paradoxical about this, because I, I mean, you know, I guess, kind of truth and advertising are kind of, uh, you know, pulling back the curtain a little bit. You know, we were supposed to discuss this album a week ago, and all three of us really just, like, uh, when we sat down to do it, just had not been able to make it through enough, and this was jarring because of how fondly I think of, um, of November. Rain of the, in specific. Of November rain as specific mm, and yeah. get in, and get in the ring uh, to an extent civil war right the songs that I remember um, and I just didn't remember um, some of, of some of these others so I, I think that you know there's a, there's a lot of ways to dig at this uh, but I feel like maybe a, a kind of theory of what is going on here maybe can start at November rain and then radiate outward um, uh, like like ripples in the November puddle <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and 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 maybe this is because this is our kind of most visceral kind of connection uh, uh, to to this album um, let's just dive in uh, right here, maybe.
0: Yeah. What do you think, Mark? I mean, I know you want to. You have some things you want to say about this.
2: I have, I have so many things to start. I'm just trying to think of the, the appropriate place to start. Maybe let's go here, and I'm actually going to talk about a musical mistake in this song, which kind of encapsulates everything we're talking about here. It, it's pretentious in that um, it's this. It's part of the string or uh, instrumentation, and kind of the string parts are kind of swelling, and uh, it's about uh, maybe like a third of the way through the song, and it's one of those descending. Parts right where I, and most of the time you have the strings just doing the ah descending mel- descending counter melody uh, playing like that. But an, at some point, Axel decides to layer on, tries to layer on harmonies on top of it, and the notes are just wrong. There's no other way to describe huh. it. There's this dissonance there, and I'll will we'll include in the show notes a link to the the music video which just pinpoints that specific location because once you hear it, you can't unhear it. Right? It's a mistake. It's sloppy. It's pretentious. It's it's trying to do. Too much, and yet it's part of the brilliance of this song and this video, which are kind of sloppy, pretentious, trying to do too much, and yet still come together to do something incredibly grandiose and affecting. That's kind of like one uh, very specific part of of November Rain that uh, that I feel like encapsulates what's going on. Beyond that, though, I mean, what 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 is there to say that hasn't already been said? Right, you know, this the epic scale of it, the transition to the minor key, uh, like completely blow it out guitar solo with with standing on on the, on the with slash standing on the piano it's iconic it's incredibly powerful it's like this image that's seared into my mind since i since i saw it uh when i was in middle school at the time and i just can't get it out and like that that to me like defined what an awesome song is and kind of still does uh to this day so uh guys i have
0: a question what is the plot of this music video
1: Oh, I'm going to defer to Mark, the, the world's <laughs> foremost expert uh, on, on yeah. this.
2: <laughs> so re, read the article when you get the chance on it. So the plot of November There's uh, is ostensibly about Axel and how he well, – Oh, actually, OK. So, uh, right. Like, so you know, this know, is, yeah, exactly. Recom- like you can't say what – What it, you recom- remember about it is that he meets a woman, falls in love, they get married, and for completely unexplained reasons, she dies and he is super sad. About and, that, yeah, the
0: woman played by his his real life then girlfriend, uh, right,
2: Stephanie Seymour, the, Stephanie the model Seymour, Stephanie yeah. Seymour, yeah. The other thing that's going on behind the scenes, this article gets into in more detail, is that both like I say Axel starts out in kind of this desert of the real, this imaginary uh, or not imaginary, but sort of fantastical other plane of existence, in like this desert and the and the church that you see um, slash uh, go in and uh, in out of. Later on in the music video, and like he's kind of like in the, his own like uh, special place, this fantastical world. He meets a woman who is a mere mortal. She dies. Axel uh, has is forced to confront mortality. Meanwhile, Slash uh, is not constrained uh, by these uh, in in the same way and can go back and forth between the realms and is immortal and has power over death. And that's what you see at at the end of the song.
1: You know, I wonder if if uh, what is the plot of the November November Rain video is the right question at all, because that feels like kind of like what asking what is the plot of Un Shane Andalou, right? Uh, like uh, Buñuel and Dalí's famous surrealist film, or what is the plot of Cremaster Three? <laughs> um, I guess it's the guy. The plot of Cremaster Three is the guy in the furry hat uh, climbs the Guggenheim. Right. <laughs> um, um, no, but, but there's at least there is... unity of uh, unity of action, right? <laughs> I mean but I guess I guess the point is that there is another way to interpret some of this is, you know, um, you know, it was a, apart from the somewhat kind of sci-fi fantasy interpretation that Mark puts on this, is through a lens of of surrealism, um, in part because and 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 it's not that I'm I'm I mean I, I think it's interesting because we've talked a lot about dream pop and dream punk uh, most recently with uh, with Sonic Youth and there is something right in this uh, like this. This sense of doing things that you know you can't do, but you find yourself doing them anyway, is a thing that happens in dreams, right? Uh, And so that, that there is something like Guns N' Roses, this band that should not be able to play a song like November Rain, Almost mostly playing a song like November Rain uh is, is dreamlike in that way, right? Or um, you know, slash kind of walking out of the church into the desert, uh, or or being in the car that explodes and then not being in the car. That this has a kind of dream logic illogic uh, to it. Um and then and that there's something there is something dreamlike. To uh, to some of the way that these things don't make sense and and don't have a a kind of don't have a, a kind of continuity that one expects of of narrative or of an album, right? Uh, and 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 I guess this kind of something that's kind of nocturnal or dreamlike is there, especially as I like as I have always thought of these the color schemes of these albums. And I don't think know if the music totally bears this out, but that like i always kind of think of a a element of day and night to these two albums because um user illusion one has this kind of the scorching um the orange red yellow hues of of the sun and the and and two has this much more nocturnal palette um this this kind of these blues uh these these blues and purples right um and so that there is something about kind of day and night and kind of um uh, uh, kind of consciousness and awareness that's that's going on here um, that and again it's not necessarily intentional I'm not saying that the use your illusions are the, the the kind of definitive statement of surrealism but there is something surreal about what is being attempted here, and that kind of defies the kind of logic... Uh, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is that Guns N' Roses is living the dream, right? Uh, and, and and that this is a record of living the dream and the nightmare. This was going to hmm. be my... This
0: was going to be my argument, more or less, for why this is not pretentious. Right? Because, like, in, in the... Yeah, you know, it's funny, like, the other, the other fall 1991 records, and I'm thinking of Pearl Jam and Nirvana specifically... Uh, um and i guess that they caught beef with uh i th- I, I guess like like uh, axel and and Kurt Cobain caught beef with with one another but like
1: how how big is this ring like this ring that everyone is getting in with axel must be just <laughs> in its <infinite> size right <laughs> go go on <laughs> i i
0: mean the story well you no know, the story is is Well, I want
1: to know. I I want to know the hot gossip.
0: (laughs) The hot gossip. 91 was like backstage at the MTV Video Music Awards or something. Uh, Courtney Love was apparently being like loud. And Axl Rose thought that Courtney Love was strident. And uh, and so (laughs) he uh, he told Kurt Cobain to get his bitch to shut up. And and Kurt turned to Courtney and deadpanned. Bitch, shut up. And apparently everybody right. lost it. Like and Guns N' Roses lost and, it. Like everyone thought actual, Axel looks like a total fool. Yeah, yeah, he was he was absolutely ridiculous because like what for whatever reason, just in the moment, like Kirk Cobain kind of nailed the sarcasm uh of you know, of of doing that. And they, you know, and they fought and like it's it's uh, remembered variously in you know different outlets and things like
2: right. This. He, he encapsulated the sarcasm and disaffectedness of the grunge movement, whereas Axel encapsulated the grandiose, bombastic grandioseness and uh, and, uh, and sort of mean spiritedness of the of the late eighties early nineties metal thing. And so this and is so one, the, one last mean, side oh, note yeah, yeah. on this, and I'll turn it back to you. Is that the sad irony of that is that uh, Axel actually really admired uh, the music of Nirvana. Uh, And and uh, Kurt Cobain's artistry, and I think like you know wanted to get them to open for the uh, for Guns N' Roses or or something along those lines, but then they had this like kind of stupid pissing match falling out later on. Yeah,
0: well, right, yeah, and and, and I think also like I don't know, I have to imagine it wouldn't have been a double bill, but I have to like pause when I think of like could Nirvana have gone on tour in support of? uh, In in support of Guns N' Roses, like uh, in a what must have been like an enormous stadium tour, um, you know, would early Nirvana have, or I guess it's not, it wasn't their first their first records, but like would nineteen ninety one Nirvana have really benefited from from that like arena rock? you know that that arena rock thing like what what is the canonical nirvana in your head like to me it's like it's the mtv unplugged show um but never mind i was i was going to say like unlike
1: Ah, never mind
0: (laughs) go on (laughs) we'll deal we'll deal with it in a minute uh just
1: just, just use your illusion Uh, go on i'm going to use i'm
0: going to use my allusion um that uh that Pearl Jam and Nirvana, both in kind of in a different way, um, the the Pearl Jam may be a little more outward focused, uh, like, uh, and Nirvana maybe a little more inward focused, uh, is really kind of struggling with, um, struggling with the self. Right. And and uh, Guns N' Roses is, is sort of struggling with the world being shit. Right. Like it's you know, the it's it's almost lacking in in introspection. Right. Like and even this like the video trilogy, which is about, um, you know, uh, ultimate things, life and death, birth, um dreams, uh, dolphins, you know, um, uh, oil tankers, hot, oil tankers, hot women in cutaway, cutaway wedding dresses, like all these things, you know, just the, the, the important things in life, um, that like, uh, w- what it's missing is any sense of like the examined life, right? Like any sense of, um, of introspection. it, it sort of replaces introspection with sensation, right? And and there there's almost a horror uh, it, when you consider like Nirvana when you consider. Um, Pearl Jam, when you consider even like Pretty Hate Machine, uh, and then later, uh, Nine Inch Nails, you know, and, and the music that would take over the eighties, right? Like, th- there's almost no sensation that's any damn good, you know? And, uh, and so the argument for this not being pretentious, for this record actually reflecting honestly where the band is, is that they were, they, they had taken over the world, you know? They were, they did live this like slightly throwbacky, um hair metal sex drugs and rock and roll uh lifestyle and that like that sort of no they they actually were this bombastic they actually were this this grandiose their self-conception was actually this this um this superficial uh you know i don't know ryan what do you think
1: yeah, I think that I mean the song that kind of latches that for me is uh, and it's a song that I only kind of um, like can clicked uh, very recently kind of uh, in later iterations of this listen is uh don't damn me which is from the kind of last third of use your illusion one um, and there it actually has the um, the kind of title line in it right so um, and and so I think that a lot of these lyrics kind of echo these things that you were just talking about Matt of uh, it says I think in the bridge of the song, um, Axel says, I know you don't want to hear me crying, and I know you, you don't want to hear me deny that your satisfaction lies in your illusion, but your delusions are yours and not mine. Um, and he goes on to say, we take for granted we know the whole story. We judge a book by its cover and read what we want between selected lines. Don't hail me and uh, don't idolize the ink, or I failed in my intentions. Can you find the missing link? Your only Validation is living your own life. Vicarious existence is a fucking waste of time. Right. And I mean, there's something there. So
0: so Axel is telling us to check our privilege, more or less.
1: Yeah. Check our privilege and our illusion.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Your illusion privilege.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so that there is I mean, it is so interesting because but as a result, it is. It's, it's, well, I mean, that is an interesting idea. The fact that you're equating it, the idea of kind of examination as a privilege of like, must be nice to be self reflective,
2: right? <laughs> must be uh, nice to be a music critic who can just piss all over our beautiful right. creation as, a, as is, yeah. as is, as 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 you know, basically the entire plot of Get in the Ring.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's so interesting. This idea of obsession with haters and losers, it's a little Trumpy, right? <laughs> um, it's, it's very Trumpy, little, yeah. Right of like, uh, there are these quotes right about these the losers and crybabies, right? And, uh, and then there is this interesting kind of thing of of, um, like, like hey, don't like. I mean, this is like an interesting thing. Like, I, I'm sure, like the, at least 1991, Axel would be unhappy with us, um, the, uh, us talking about these albums and examining them, because um, there is almost a something of like that. There is, uh, like, I mean. It, that there is like, don't, don't read this, don't scrutinize this too closely. Like, um, like that this, there's a level of scrutiny. This probably does not deserve, um, (laughs) uh, because like, I'm just living it. Right. Like, um, and, and it's an interesting, and I guess that that is also, that's another layer of pretension here because it is actually, it is, Right, that we we talk a lot about, you know, the the, the 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 kind of canonical TFT question of are you for real, and that there the, and that there's a lot of times where there, you know, we identify artifice, but there's a kind of deliberately constructed artifice that is kind of uh, making an artistic point and a statement, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of the artists we've talked about play with that, but that this is an interesting thing of this is an artifice of realness, right, <laughs> um, uh, uh, and that uh, and, and saying like. No, we're just living, and we're just doing us. So stop, stop, kind of scrutinizing us. Um, But that that actually denies the actual like attempts at artistry, in part by like it's a self. It's kind of a defense mechanism of well, I'm I'm beyond criticism and reproach because I'm just living, and you can't criticize my life. Like this isn't art. This is just me.
2: Right. You can't criticize us like you have to accept because we are the greatest band in the world. You can't criticize us. You have to accept this massively bloated double album um, and spend, what, two and a half hours of your life listening to it. Well, a lot
0: of people did accept this. I mean, you know, to the tune of like three quarter million people did uh, accept this massively bloated double album and and spend a lot of time, spend a lot of time listening to it, you know. and and I
1: I mean I guess it worked. I am I am interested. I mean, they, they don't say how many of those people returned it after buying it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like they don't redact. They don't. Re, I don't think they redact RAA numbers um, uh, on returns. Like it had that many sales, but it doesn't. It doesn't mention that there are that many returns within a week. <laughs> Like, oh, this is, it. I'll just take the, I'll just take the cassette single of use your, uh, of, of November rain. Thanks. <laughs> it's
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the B side on that? cassette single, right. Probably what? Well, maybe get in the ring. I don't know. Um, the uh yeah i'm 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 really interested in the in this thing right cuz it's like it this is a kind of common hedge that that you hear and uh, around this time right it is like guns N' roses is a little bit of a throwback but but this particular rhetorical move um this particular rhetorical move of like uh the slightly kind of adolescent um cry of like, well don't, you know, you know, don't I, I'm just putting this out into the world. Don't engage with it in any way that I haven't like pre, you know, any sort of uh that I haven't like pre approved, you know? Um the the sort of attempt to the the attempt to uh draw boundaries for what what Constitutes acceptable reader response, uh, right? Is to a certain extent, it's something that that people have been engaged in for. Uh, forever and ever and ever. But like, to me, I connect it with, with what to me is a very 90s authenticity discourse, right? This sort of like, you live your own life, man. And like, you know, you do, you do your own thing. And it, you know, the, the, to me, there's a a sort of denial. There's a kind of a willful denial of the, the economic conditions, right, of sort of the means of production, of the idea that, like, no, no, this band is huge business, right? Like, it takes a lot of logistics to move a million and a half albums in a week, right? Like, there's a lot of alienated labor along that chain, right? In order for for Axel to talk about you living your own life, a lot of people don't have to, have to not live their own life, right? Like, a lot of people have to work for all kinds of, uh, all kinds of outfits doing all kinds of things um
2: well a lot of people have to show up to work security and concessions at the concert that you um either bail on because on some side reasons or cause a riot at which which did happen during the user illusion tour
0: yeah uh so the so there you know it's it's interesting right like it's related to the point that that we've made before that like sort of talking about sort of talking about non-interference or talking about authenticity yeah. is often like given the lie to when you and by non-interference i mean like not uh not doing what people want you to do a kind of, you know uh, uh, having a kind of unmediated expression of exactly what you would um of exactly what you would what you would prefer and and there's a, a kind of unreflective um, stance uh, as to or a kind of unre- yeah an unreflective stance as to the way that that is a very that 's a pyramid with very steep sides right like yeah. but like a, a few people uh, only the privileged few get to use their illusion, right like everyone else is employed in maintaining the illusion for them uh, a lot of a lot of the time. Um,
1: yeah. I th- this is really interesting. I mean, I feel like th- this is something uh, I've been thinking a lot about when listening to this album, that, that there is kind of that this is almost this apex of, of what could be called bloated punk, right? In that there is a kind of punk attitude um, without a recognition that we are way past punk, uh, both kind of chronologically um, in terms of kind of sociologically and historically, and that the individual band Guns N' Roses are, are successful at a level yeah, well, be, well right. beyond punk: because right? That,
0: right Thatcher won, right Reagan right. won, you know, yeah. and that this like Guns N' Roses is a product of that you know it's it's all well and good to kind of maintain the pose of outsiderness or the pose of kind of like burn it all down right but like uh but they're they're as much a product of that um you know that that sort of 1980s uh, economic reforms and what, what do I mean by that well in Europe like uh, privatization of, of industries that had been previously nationalized uh, in the United States a sort of American psycho ish or kind of wall Streetish lionization of uh, of wealth and the financial uh, industry and uh, and a sort of a, a sort of beginning of the kind of late capitalist concentration of wealth into the you know to the kind of banana republic levels that we see um that we see in the in the present day right like and that is like there they, you know you're not a, a you're not a cure for that disease axel rose you're a symptom of that disease you know and 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 it's very i mean it's very interesting psychologically it's such a great it's such a great bind to kind of consider such a great kind of psychological tension to consider like what must it be like you know um, um to sort of want to uh, because uh, appetite for destruction wasn 't about being an outsider it was about wanting to kind of claw your way in right yeah. to to the paradise city or to the to the jungle uh right like the 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 it 's almost ironic right the very knowing narrator in in Welcome to the jungle it's almost like you know you sort of you you think it's going to be uh, a a woman that he's talking to because of course it is but like um but it's almost like Axel is addressing his younger self a little bit in welcome you know in welcome to the jungle and you know here it's sort of, it, he, he's Dan Humphrey. You know, he's the ultimate insider. And, uh, and it's hard to maintain that, that, unless you actually are a gossip girl, like Dan Humphrey was, it's hard to maintain that, that pose, uh, um, forever and ever, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's, no, I think that's that's true, and it, it, it is just so interesting, and I think that's exactly the right parallel of, and, you know, because it, at least a number of the guys in, in Guns N' Roses, um, I'm thinking about um, Duff McKagan in particular, played in punk bands, right, um, and kind of that there are roots of, of Guns N' Roses, I mean, in a number of different genres, um, but in kind of small clubs, right, and, and in um, at least a uh, spirit, if not uh, 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 but but also the the genre of punk. Um, and there's times where they've they've broken out um, Misfits covers and kind of some other kind of punk covers. Um, and so there's a sense of you know that uh, of wanting to have their punk cake and eat it too.
2: <laughs> um, right, or, or rather punk spaghetti, wouldn't you say? Given the yeah, follow yeah, yeah, up the yeah, albums. Yeah yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um yeah and I feel like some of those covers were I feel like there were some covers on some of the covers were on the spaghetti incident I could be mistaken um I that that's I did not spend a lot of time with the spaghetti incident um and uh and and yeah that um that they they really are trying to kind of have it both ways because there are elements right in which um some of the songs on this album, are more punk, right? This album is like both simultaneously more punk and less punk than the last album, right? More punk in that there are some songs, both sonically and kind of in terms of attitude, uh, songs like Perfect Crime on one and Get In The Ring on two that kind of channel some of that um, that punk, both spirit and a little bit of the sound. But then, then there's so much of this kind of the, the this uh, is it, such a, a misguided uh, it, it, it is a a is a kind of misguided interpretation of that uh it kind of left unchecked and kind of uh it's this is what happens when you um you know hitch your punk wagon to a capitalist rocket right <laughs> um and uh, uh and and it's kind of out it's careening out of control it's interesting i mean we we sort of talked
0: about guns and roses the uh uh, the last time we did it, and the the band's the band's title, but the the uh, you know the uh, the thing that that occurred to me the most um, while I was listening to Use Your Illusion was like the sort of the male and female, right? The sort of the the guns, the 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 guns and the roses, the 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 boy parts and the girl parts, right? And that there's there's. Uh <sighs> I don't know. There, there is a, a kind of tension built in, built into this music. Right. And like, it's actually in, um, it, you know, it's actually in the song that we were talking about. It's in, uh, oh God, what were we, what were we talking about? Oh, don't damn me. It's in don't damn me. The, the, um, that like uh you know i sometimes i want to kill sometimes i want to die sometimes i want to uh destroy sometimes i want to cry sometimes i'm a gun and sometimes i'm a rose you know and that and and this sort of this uh, almost quasi economic tension is an, is another one like that like sometimes i'm the oppressor sometimes i'm uh sometimes i'm uh the oppressed mm.
2: What, what, what comes to mind for me is more from sort of a musical and artistic uh, side. Like the Guns, you know, if there's a dichotomy or a, a contrast between Guns and Roses, um, Guns being the more aggressive guitar playing of Slash and then the Roses being the more ballad piano playing side of, 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 of the music that comes from Axel, right? And you hear these things are constantly clashing against each other within songs and across songs in this album. Um, and we haven't talked much about Don't Cry yet and the music for that, but... Um, that it's it is a is a good example of that for me and in, in this case that it works well uh i think I think it works well in in the in, in the chorus where, where you know the ballad part goes you know don't you cry it's a wow, you know this the guitar slams into what was otherwise <laughs> just you know a very highlight of heaven above me, and then it becomes like wow, 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 run well, yeah. so it mostly it mostly works, but but you can you can feel that the whole thing is not coming together in the same uh, cohesive way that you heard an appetite for destruction. And one other thing on this, and I'll and I'll, and I'll, I'll ta- toss it to, to Matt uh, for, for his take on this. But like it, this really struck me in particular in songs like um, "Well, Welcome to the Jungle." Going back to that, right, where Axel's whale. Match um that of Slash, right? Yeah. Axel would 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 sing a note, a very high-pitched note that would segue immediately over into Slash's guitar solo. You actually have none of that. I don't think there's any of that sort of interplay going on in this album. And then instead you have uh, those sort of conflicting moments like you hear in Don't Cry or in Um or In in November Rain or now the other. Yeah, November.
0: Of, that was the one that I was going to bring up. Like it, you know, between the, the piano and the the synth strings, those are synthesized strings, right? They don't actually yeah, sound like real. Yeah uh they don't actually sound like real strings even though in the music video there's you know half a string section sitting there i think it's just for show um like the weird out looking conductor that they have uh, uh conduct- conducting
2: the strings you um, mean who was the actual leader of Guns N' Roses i'm shocked <laughs> Uh
0: the um <laughs> the uh yeah the even in even in there like the the little coda, the don't you think that you need somebody, coda, uh with that kind of wailing guitar part. The the difference between the um between the piano at the beginning, da 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 Da, 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 da. and the piano at the end which is that, you know uh and w- which axel actually plays in the video I was actually thought I thought like I didn't know how good his keyboarding was and like uh
2: he plays the piano live in concert as well yeah it's And I note I saw I saw guns N' roses in their on their current tour right now and they still have it. Um, whatever it is, <laughs> does does Axel's- delusions of delusions of grandeur is what they still have. <laughs> I was referring more to musical chops. I think the delusions of grandeur are actually completely stripped away and just for the, for the sake of naked capitalism and making money. But. Yeah. Uh-
0: Um, yeah, that, that, that's the, that, that's interesting. And, and, and your observation about the, the guitar solos is interesting as well. It's much, it's much more that each element is distinct, right? Like each element is its own, like polished Hummel figurine in a credenza, you know, rather, rather
2: some of its parts, rather than being more than the sum of its parts.
0: Yeah, sure. Like, and it's more of an assembly line than a band and it's sort of servicing at least two big egos rather than you know rather than the kind of group mind of that that emerges in in a lot of the best um in a lot of the best bands i i mean i think it's probably like on a on an album like this they have a couple of covers on it and i i mean i feel like that's almost a, a bombastic or grandiose uh statement as well uh mostly because of the songs that they choose uh i i don't know mark what do you think of the covers on this record
2: I don't know I wasn't going so much with bombastic I thought it was a curious choice to have these covers on the uh, any covers at all on it because um uh, the whole thing aspires to its high level of artistry and uh, you know when you think about the great concept albums and the great art albums of of rock history they usually don't Include covers because you know cover is essentially some some admonition that some admission rather that uh, there's someone out there who's doing music as good if not better than you. Yeah, because what well, the crib their right, greatness right make it your own. And art and rock
0: that, yeah. art rock should be a walled
2: garden, right? Yeah, um, and, that being said, though, I mean, so to your point about how the choice of songs uh, does contribute to the grandiose nature of it, that, I think that is true, right? And, and specifically, right, Live and Let Die by Paul McCartney, uh, of course, one of the Beatles, and then um, uh, Knocking on Heaven's Door by the, the great Bob Dylan. Um, if you're going to cover um, from, the, from the great, sure, sure, go for those. Um, although I, I, I don't have a great theory as to why these two songs and how they relate. To the rest of it, it's like really weird when you think about it that um, within the same, at least when the same double album, that "Knocking on Heaven's Door" and "Gun" and "November Rain" exist in the same in the same collection of songs.
1: I mean, I, let's let's think about this a little bit because I, I actually I love the cover. of of live and let die it's one i remember um i i really remember that music video Mm -hmm. um on uh on on mtv um and it's it's i I thought it was cool for a number of reasons i mean one is that um you know among the things that uh early teen or kind of pre-teen me liked were james bond movies and mtv so this was really the best of both worlds (laughs) um right so because this is i mean there's a few things here right that there is this is a cover of a paul mccartney song it's a cover of a song, a theme song from a james bond movie um and and then and there's the the title of just like uh of 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 life and death right and living and and allowing to die which i think that kind of uh actually connects back to some of the themes that we're talking about of the kind of of this kind of let me do me right and you know you back off and you know stop examining me um right and and because it it and it kind of it, it it owns it in a way that um especially by kind of divorcing it from the bond context it this kind of like liberates this song um to stand uh to 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 stand on its own um and this kind of spirit of living and letting die um is is as much of a kind of statement of purpose um as um uh, uh as as don't damn me which kind of uh, had those same lyrics right so there, yeah. i think there's a sense it's- in which kind of thematically it's really working um and and the way that they kind of transformed the song um is is very cool i mean this is one that, that lives on uh uh that uh, well tft uh, uh punk correspondent uh rachel d loves this song loves to sing it at karaoke in the and will always sing the guns and roses version uh and because most karaoke machines have both the Paul McCartney and Guns N' Roses version, and she'll always uh, choose the Guns N' Roses version. Uh, nice. And so, so it's, it's it's very interesting that that this there's a sense in which this is a almost um, you know if not the canonical one, it kind of stands alongside the original.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I guess when when you when you phrase it that way, I'm um, thinking about knocking on heaven's door and the themati- how that fits in thematically. Um, there is also the um, the the acknowledgement and so a certain meditation on death and mortality right feels like i'm knocking on heaven's door um and is there a little bit of sort of let me do me going on this route too i mean there's a, there's a sense of weariness in knocking on heaven's door right you know uh, put my guns in the ground i can't use them anymore that i don't i don't feel like fits in the bombasticness of the rest of it i mean they, they make it their own for sure musically but thematically it still feels like a little bit of an outlier
1: I mean that's like an interesting um, lyric, right? Given the name of the band, <laughs> like is this like a, a, a hidden like in this cover? Um, is this like kind of knowing that that this was it for the band, right? Like uh, at least for this incarnation of the band and this height of creativity of putting your guns in the ground, right? Um, and like also your roses, <laughs> like uh, of and right that 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 the band and I mean that there's a lot of things that are knocking on Heaven's Door. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, Axel is actually still here, but for a while, Guns N' Roses uh, as as a functioning unit was um, kind of the the 80s that they represented. Was right, um, and then there's right that this is this album was released a week before Nevermind, right? Um, so right, like Heaven's Door, aka uh, mid September 1991, right? Um, uh, and and you know, so there is a sense of, you know, I'm surprised they didn't use, like, the times they are a <laughs> Like uh.
2: <laughs> Oh, if only. That would have been too perfect.
1: Come, uh,
0: senators, congressmen. Please eat the
2: crowd. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh, guys, guys, guys! We gotta stop recording this podcast and record like the rest of Bob Dylan's <laughs> oeuvre in the style of Guns N' Roses, <laughs> including that and like uh, like a Rolling Stone and oh everything, all Dylan in the style of Guns N' Roses all the time. I'll be right back.
0: I mean, the so the the lyrics, like I guess the. Uh yeah, yeah there 's a a like dense and multi layered set of ironies in recording knocking on heaven 's door and I think the like the you know the isn 't this situation in in knocking on heaven's door that he's like a lawman that it's like the west and he's a lawman and he's uh he's been shot or something like that and he's uh he's going to uh he's going to die and so this like mama take this badge from me is like i'm giving up my office as the sheriff or whatever uh right and then like um so it feels like i'm knocking on heaven's door uh means oh my my body is telling me that i'm about to die um uh, and And I feel like that's that 's recontextualized a little bit uh i you know Dylan was a great sort of was a great ventriloquist, and like he peopled his songs with characters a lot of the time i mean I know there 's a great discourse i 'm not a dylanologist, so i don 't know what exactly is is autobiographical, but so part of this sort of folk song thing is that you sort of represent other people or you represent social classes, and you know Dylan has um Uh, you know, Dylan has, has that tradition right in his, in his pocket. And, and, uh, but, but with Axel, the sort of, it's not, uh, it's not the same. The like the social realism isn't the same. Um, the uh...
2: so, so, well, actually, a little bit, right? What's going on in the Bob Dylan's composition of "Knocking on Heaven's Door"? It was written for the soundtrack for a 1973 Western movie uh, "Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid." Oh. So that's why you have you know all this Western mythology going on here. But it's to your point that Bob Dylan uh, has uh, you know ventriloquous quality and he takes on characters and it's not necessarily autobiographical.
0: Yeah, and it's also I feel like I don't know. I feel like I I have enough respect for Dylan as an artist that like even if if the song was for a particular occasion, like I I think there are probably uh, other resonances and, and, uh, you know, and the song has definitely like, I I know the song, but I wasn't aware of, I wasn't aware of the movie though. I'm I'm interested to, uh, to, to have it pointed out to this. Like, it feels like uh, in this context though, what, what I meant to say is that, that it seems like, um, It seems like Guns N' Roses songs are all about Axl Rose, right? Like that, that, like every, you know, that every Guns N' Roses song is always already about Guns N' Roses. And that, like, to say it feels like I'm knocking on heaven's door is almost like it feels like I'm on the verge of immortality or something, something like that. And I sort of relate it to. Uh, I rate it related to sort of like stepping into eternal fame or stepping into, you know, a kind of great uh, uh, stepping into a, a, you know, I don't know, a kind of great apotheosis uh, of Guns and Roses rather than a moment of defeat, a sort of, uh, you know, a sort of moment of uh, a sort of moment of triumph. Where do we go from here, guys?
1: Well I think I mean where we go is I, I think that there's an interesting kind of fact that we, we've actually seen on both of these covers and these are both covers that are connected to movies um right that uh and live and let die more overtly and in a more no, well known way but as mark pointed out um so is knocking on heaven's door but not only not only the um the, the Dylan version, but the Guns N' Roses version itself is uh, featured in the 1990 film Days of Thunder, uh, the, the Tom Cruise uh, race car movie, or <laughs> I, I guess I like to think of it Top Gun with Cars. <laughs> um, uh, and maybe that, and that's actually maybe not what it's exactly like, but in my mind, it occupies that like Tom Cruise doing things going either very, very fast or pretty fast. Um, and so I lump them together. Um, and 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 I think what's interesting about this is that um, there's another cinematic connection here that was actually surprising. I actually didn't know this until we were digging into the song. Uh, But uh, You Could Be Mine uh, from Use Your Illusion 2 is uh, from the soundtrack to um, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Um, You seriously didn't know this until recently? No, no,
2: I mean, like I have you not seen this movie. Are you not my friend? What I is mean, happening here? I I'm, I'm, okay, so I'm I, mean, I mean, I mean, I'm going to go back to recording my Bob Dylan Guns and Roses cover
1: and i'll i'll go watch Judge, uh, i mean i've i've seen terminator 2 a bunch of times and i apparently i have a Axle rose uh, i have an 850 pound hole in my memory of um of of terminator 2 you know i, I think you know when i think terminator 2 uh, and music cues i think i don't right. think of guns and roses like when when does the song show up uh in
2: uh, in the movie it's actually um diegetic in that, um, at the beginning, of, towards the oh, end of the movie, it, is, it, John- it,
1: is it, okay, is it when, yeah, so, so he's like, up.
2: remember, like, he's uh, not my dad, Todd, and uh, Braddy John Connor races off on his bike with his redhead, molded friend, um, on the boombox, they're playing this song, it's this, like, really snarling, rebellious anthem, as they careen through the gutters of, uh, of Los Angeles, and go to the mall, that's what, that's where you hear the song diegetically, I mean, it comes back in the end credits as well, after the main Terminator theme, but it's yeah. primarily, Associated with John Connor's rebelliousness. That's, I mean, it's so interesting because I
1: I never, it didn't really connect to me. I mean, I'm aware that it's there, but it's so interesting because for me, it's just, it's stuck as, you know, like, I think the place in my mind is stock. Re- rebellious song right um, and it's so interesting because uh, uh, the geniuses at Rap Genius uh, and their explanation for the song uh, just uh, start the entry uh, at, by saying you could be mine of uh, is one of Guns N' Roses greatest hits and <laughs> I mean without even looking at the numbers I can I think I can name 10 greater hits than you could be mine Oh my Guns N' Roses um, November Rain Don't Cry is Strange uh welcome to the jungle uh, sweet child of mine mr brownstone uh paradise city am i at 10 live like let die um knocking on heaven's door i think i've hit 10 so I, I think it's a stretch right that this is one of the greatest hits i mean so it's so interesting that it's it is this i mean i don't know i, 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 I am i just giving you could be mine short shrift um or is there something kind of generic about this uh about this song
2: I think there is something generic about it. In fact, it uh, it reminds me a lot of Night Train from Appetite for Destruction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um in that kind of driving um rock thing going going on with Oh, you the didn't wrist. mean
0: you didn't mean it it reminds you of the inexpensive malt liquor beverage. You mean it reminds you of the song <laughs> from
2: <laughs> Correct. Yeah, it reminds it me of the Guns. Oh, their Guns N' Roses song, "Night Train." It's a bit of a retread. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, based on some research. Like the song, I think was written in the '80s, uh, contemporaneously with uh, the material from Appetite. So that explains a lot of it. Um, so it's it's fine, right? It's not it's not one of the standouts uh, of this album, really, of Guns N' Roses catalog. It benefits a lot, really, from its association with uh, the unsurpassed and unsurpassable action movie of all time, Terminator Two, Judgment Day. I don't know, Matt. Do you like this song? Like, what what does it do for you? Anything?
0: Uh, no, not really. I mean, a, a lot of it. Uh... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'll take the cassette single of November Rain. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe in a strange, too, but uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> uh
0: yeah it's uh you know i don't know the yeah i i don't know it sort of seems i'm i'm put in mind of the of the uh from some kind of monster the documentary the uh the uh uh the sick burn that um metallica used when when they were not happy with something it sounds stock Right, a little bit. It sounds it sounds uh, stock to me, and so I I don't really have a lot to contribute uh, about it.
2: The, the one thing that I will uh, appraise it for, other than its association with Terminator Two, is that that's not quite stock. Is that great buildup? Which has this uh, major key thing going that the wow 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 wow, it 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 feels like it's going someplace cool and it does, and that da 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 um it just doesn't quite uh, uh, transcend anywhere anywhere beyond that. One other last thing on Terminator 2, and I feel like we'll probably move on to something else is, um, in case you missed it in um in your in watching Terminator 2, if you haven't seen it 20 times like I have, you might have missed this detail, which is that in the mall scene. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is carrying a box of roses, and hidden inside of it is a gun. Uh, huh? Huh? Yeah, no, that was pretty deliberate. And I'm led to believe that, um, that Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, Personally, recruited the band Guns N' Roses to allow their song to be used. I'm
1: really, uh, I'm really, I, I'm really upset of the alternate reality in which uh, the, um, uh, in which there was a different 90, 1991 band um, that provided the soundtrack song. And uh, Arnold is in the mall with, um, a, he opens a can of jam and it's filled with pearls. Uh. <laughs> right, small,
0: small, exp- and the, the pearls are actually small explosives. And he like throws them at the T1000 and blows little holes in the molten metal. Of it or something like that. That's
1: the that's the the alternate timeline, the the grunge <laughs> the grungiest timeline. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: well, all right. I think we're going to leave uh, wrap up our conversation of use your illusion one and use your illusion two. But the great conversation always continues. It continues on Twitter at TFT Podcast, uh, on Facebook at Thirty for Turntables, uh, and on the the comments for the show notes of this episode. Go to Overthinking it at the homepage. Um, and find this episode near the top of the uh, top of the page. Click show notes, and you will be able able to uh, not only see a list of resources um, music videos articles things that we've referenced uh, links to buy the album um, but you'll also go to the comment section there and and be able to uh, uh, be able to discuss your thoughts about use your illusion with uh, us and fellow listeners of the podcast we'll be back uh, with our sort of epic journey through this epic month September 1991 uh, be back next week with more More Theory for Turntables. Until then, keep it real.